uh, Phyllis related um, that we were at um, this uh, health and freedom conference uh, to reawaken America, reopen America, and um, it was um, a beautiful, it was a marriage. Um, as I sat there, I'm like, I'm sitting in history, um, 10,000 people in an open air uh, canopy, and um, it was a marriage of the most passionate patriots and Christianity, and every, every presenter, every person that spoke, which was an entourage of doctors and virologists and scientists of, uh, General Flynn was there, um, um, different, um, Mike Lindell was there, the, uh, so business people and, and all of these people that have, have two things in common, not just one, love for our country, passionate love for our country, and a love for Jesus, every, almost every, every one of them came up and made it very clear. They weren't token acknowledgments of Jesus. They were, they were uh, through process. They were declaring, we need Jesus to save our country. Jesus alone will save our country. Jesus alone will deliver us from the, the medical tyranny that we're undergoing, from the uh, oppression of the mass, of the mandates, of, the, of this, this uh, COVID and all of the uh, other things that were attached to it that were fraudulent and fake and, and for other, other purposes. And uh, they're just passionate, and this roar would rise up of love for the country and love for Jesus. This intense worship was going on from Rodney Howard Brown's worship teams and different ones affiliated with him. It was right beside his church on the same property. And um, he would give, Rodney Howard Brown would come up at the end, it ended at, at around five every day, and give altar calls. And the first day, over 500 people went forward to ask Jesus into the, you know, into their lives. The next day, hundreds and hundreds. The next and the, and the third day, hundreds and hundreds, like big, like out of this 10,000 uh, group of people. And it was so neat to um, be a part of it and be impacted by that. And so, um, as Phyllis related, I, I'm <laughs> looking at uh, which direction to go here. Um, As Phyllis related, um, we were on our, our way home, and uh, turn with me to John chapter 10. Let me, let me just share this, and I'll see where, where I'm going to go for sure. John chapter 10. By the way, I'm still absolutely standing in the um, assurance that our president will be reinstated. Don't know when or how. Doesn't matter. I'm believing. And there's a lot of us. There are more of us than there are of them. That matters. There's more of us. And a lot of things are happening. Even if you don't see it, things are happening. So... Um, let your heart be encouraged. The Lord is moving. This is, 
And here's the greatest platform to stand on. This is God's nation. He called us. He called us into being. He established us. And we are established on in God. We trust. And they won't take that from us. We will continue to stand in that. John 27, I was thinking I would be done with this uh, theme of following Jesus, but uh, I may be on it the rest of the year. Um, in John 27, 10, 27, let me find the verse here in my... Um, My own sheep hear my voice, and I know each one, and they will follow me. And then he, he goes on to say, I give them eternal uh, life. But uh, all, carrying on from my theme of following Jesus, we know his voice, we follow him. We know his voice, we follow him. And uh, we follow because we know his voice. We follow a voice. We follow what he's saying, and we follow and, and, and make that... Um, so um, our, our priority in um, um, well, just give me a second here to decide which direction I'm going to go. Father, I just want to give you thanks. Just pause um, to let you direct and to guide and to lead. And it's so important um, every day that we we just hear what you're saying and perceive what you're saying and know what you're saying. I just, just thank you for, for all of your promises. They are all yes and amen. And your word to us, it is, it is yes and amen. When we got the news um, on uh, Monday late afternoon, um, it was, uh, you know, there was a movie a while back called Deep Impact and um, about an asteroid hitting the planet. I think that was the name of it. And uh, that was what the moment was like. Totally unexpected. Did not, never thought a moment about that. And when the news of, of uh, Mackenzie being Down syndrome hit, it was just a Boom, and I've I've had several conversations with Kenny. The thing that builds true compassion in us is uh, it, it takes a work and a seed. And and actually, I pulled out my old book, Hind's Feet on High Places, because there was something that happened in that. It's an allegory taken from the Song of Solomon that. I was brought back to this. And you have, to pro you have to process the moment. You can't, I don't recommend bypassing it. I work hard as a pastor to allow people to process um, the moment that they're going through. Um, so it doesn't have to be automatic that you're okay, that you're good, because at the moment of a loss, at the moment of an impact, you're not okay, but the Lord's not upset with us. If you don't allow it to be real and just allow it to penetrate, um, you'll have issues with it. it you, you won't get to the true resolve of it. And um, I, I, 
I, I, I just wasn't, I was speechless. I just was numb. And I ended up coming up here and, and getting my guitar and just singing for a while and worshiping and just, um, you don't have power to speak into someone's life until you have that thing, that badge, that it's like military guys, you know, if another military guy can immediately connect with another military guy or woman or girl, whatever, you know, like, because you have the experience and I'm so aware, especially in my role as a pastor, there's so many things I want to comfort people over, but I know I don't have the degree in that loss. I don't have the degree. I don't have the experience. I don't have the certificate of, I suffered that too. I, I don't have it. So I'm careful not to pretend like I have it. Like, and um, when this hit, as I processed it, I, there are some things that came to me, and I'll, I'll, I'll just be vulnerable to share these with you, um, because um, I realized immediately, the first thing as I began to hear what the Lord was saying to me was I knew the impact Trent had on all of our lives. And at the end, as we came to the conclusion of his life, I realized that, and I spoke this um, at church and at that funeral, that Trent demonstrated to me what love looked like as a leader. And um, we even put a sign up and we had a prophetic word and he was a posthumous, uh, is that the right name, posthumous? Am I saying the right word? Um, apostle. Like, he, we, we give that title to him after his death because of, of the role that he played. And um, he, he taught us what love looked like, unconditional love. And anybody that was connected with Trent could not deny that he had this uh, effect on us. And... Um, with Trent, we believed through this whole period of time for him to be healed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. So a lot of a lot of history with that, and uh, was a, it was a rough journey. It was a rough thing to walk through with Kenny and Cheryl because you we could stand there with them, but we didn't have the certificate of yeah, I know exactly. Like we didn't have that, so we did the best and we could. And Kenny and Cheryl know that and love us for it. And um, the first thing that came was that I realized this little girl will teach me more about love. That as she comes into my life, I will be affected to a great, greater degree. Now, um, the reason that's significant is because you can't manufacture love like you can't manufacture faith. You can't conjure up faith or belief. Y'all know that, don't you? And when we pray, it doesn't matter the expression on your face. You can try to squeeze it out, but you can't mag manufacture faith. How does faith actually come into our life? It's kind of mysterious, maybe. I don't know. The grace of God. But it begins with the Lord giving you faith. You have a measure of faith given to you, and then you build on that. 
you move forward on that. And so the first thing that I knew was that I, I'm going to, and also I have a certificate now of having the, and that will grow then of relating. When I was at this conference, oddly enough, I had a snapshot of a middle-aged woman walking around with her son that was holding her arm and he was Down syndrome. You know, you look, you see immediately. And I, I was a little distance away from them, but there was a, if there was an epitaph on the bottom of the picture that I took a snapshot off of, they were isolated, they were alone. And you could see the heaviness on them and on both of them. Um, and the, and I, I wanted to reach out and I couldn't move from my spot. And you know how those things come. There's, they're here and gone so fast. And I, I'd seen them once or twice and just didn't know how to get across that line. And um, I was left with that picture and that sense of need. And I didn't know how, without coming off stupid, how to cross the line. So it was what it was, but it left me. And then I come home and we find this out. And um, I, I realized I'm going to be able to cross that line. And if you can perceive what it's like for me to be in this role all of my life and have all of these areas where I don't know how to, cross, to connect with people, I do the best I can. But there, there is, it's so neat. You watch Kenny and Cheryl and wow, they just have this ability. And we were concerned about how Cheryl would handle the news. I mean, I was too, I really was. Um, and Phyllis was the one that, what, that told her, what, felt to go up and talk to her. And um, I think Jenna had already talked to her, told her, but um, she had this amazing response. She came alive because it tapped into her purpose. Like it tapped into something that the Lord had built in her, this love that she has and this, whoom, this, she was not that way 25 years ago. So the Lord built that in her. Now she is amazing. Kenny too. They're amazing. They have this gift to touch something that is not that easy to reach out and touch genuinely, to touch a heart. And so I know I'm going to get equipped with this. That's, so that was a, ma it was a major thing. And in that process... I remembered a passage from Heinz Feet on High Places, which I've read several times and love this book, this allegory. And um, I was, I'm like, I know I've got this book someplace in my study. I'm on the top shelves, the under shelves, looking here, looking there, blah, 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 you know. And I kind of get the image of it in my mind, and I'm like, I'm going to scan, because books are every place. And uh, I'm going to scan, and I'm going to see it, you know. And boom, there it was. And so I pulled it down. Actually, funny, it's funny. This is your copy, Karen. I don't know how I have your copy, but it's too, yeah, too late. Too late. It looked familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's probably only one like this. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> there were so many additions to it. There are different covers, and uh, so I've highlighted and wrote, written in it. So you'll have to get over that. <laughs> May not get it back. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great attitude. Like, appreciate it.
it comes to this scene, and at first I couldn't find it, and I'm like, I gotta find this passage, I couldn't find, find this place where the shepherd plants, who is Jesus, plants a seed of love in Much Afraid's heart. And um, it comes to this place where he's inviting her to go to the high places with him, and she wants to go, of course, to leave the life she lives in. She's crippled, and, and uh, he asks her this question, like, and, and, and then he asks her this question. He's asked, are you willing to be changed completely? You never get too old to ask that, of, you know, for the Lord to ask you that. Do you want to be changed? Do you want to be made in my image? Because it's, it's continu- and you continually have to come back to this and say yes to that. Because the working of the Lord in our life is, a, is from a yes in you to be changed and transformed. And if you're not, if you don't want it, he, he, it's amazing how much he'll leave you alone. That's actually scary. So I see the lacks in my life at different areas and places and the ability to forgive and the ability to love in this not lovely thing. You know, lovely things we all can love, you know. People that are good to me, I love you, you know. And it's like, well, of course you do because I'm great to you, you know, that kind of thing. And, and then, but then there's the real, the real love when it's hard to love, when it's difficult, when it's challenging, when it's challenged. And um, you're asking the Lord, do I have to love them? You know, like, do I have to love them? Do I, like, and then you think about heaven. He- Lord, when I get to heaven, make sure they don't live next to me in heaven. You know, that, we have these funny things. I no, I can't be the only one that thinks those things. Are you willing to be changed completely, much afraid, and to be made like the new name which you will receive if you become a citizen in the kingdom of love? She nodded her head and then said very earnestly, yes, I am. Like Peter, I'll never deny you, <laughs> you know? And he smiled, and, and then he asked her a question that was penetrating. Has love been planted in your heart, much afraid? And because it's Jesus' eyes looking deep into her heart, as the shepherd said this, he looked at her very steadily, and she realized that his eyes were searching into the very depths of her heart and knew all that was there far better than she did herself. She did not answer for a long time because she was not sure what to say. But she looked rather flinchingly into the eyes which were gazing at her so penetratingly and became aware that they had the power of reflecting what they looked upon. She could thus really see her own heart as he saw it. So after a long pause, she answered, I think that what is growing there is a great longing to experience the joy of natural human love and to learn to love supremely one person who will love me in return. But perhaps that desire, natural and right as it seems, is not the love of which you are speaking. She paused and then added added honestly and almost trembling, I see the longing to be loved and admired growing in my heart, shepherd, but I don't think I see the kind of love that you are talking about, at least nothing like the love which I see in you. Then will you let me 
Plant the seed of true love there now, asked the shepherd. It will take some time to develop Hind's feet, to climb to the high places. And if I put the seed in your heart now, it will be ready to bloom by the time you get there. Much afraid shrank back. I'm afraid, she said. I have been told that if you really love someone, you give that loved one the power to hurt and pain you in a way nothing else can. That is true, agreed the shepherd. To love does not mean to put yourself into the power of the loved one and to become very vulnerable to pain, and you are very much afraid of pain, are you not? It does mean to put yourself into a power, the power of a loved one to hurt you. She nodded miserably and then said shamefacedly, yes, much afraid. I'm much afraid of it. But it is so happy to love, said the shepherd quietly. It is happy to love even if you are not loved in return. There is pain too, certainly, but love does not think that very significant. Much afraid thought it suddenly that he had the most patient eyes she had ever seen. At the same time, there was something in them that hurt her to the heart, though she could not have said why. But she still shrank back in fear and said, bringing the words out very quickly, because somehow she was ashamed to say them, I would never dare to love unless I were sure of being loved in return. If I let you plant the seed of love in my heart, will you give me the promise that I shall be loved in return? I couldn't bear it otherwise. The smile he turned on her then was the gentlest and kindest she had ever seen. Yet once again, for the same indefinable reason as before, it cut her to the quick. Yes, he said without hesitation, I promise you much afraid that when the plant of love is ready to bloom in your heart and when you are ready to change your name, then you will be loved in return. A thrill of joy went through her from her head to her foot. It seemed too wonderful to be believed, but the shepherd himself was making the joy of the promise. And of one thing she was quite sure, he could not lie. Please plant love in my heart now, she said faintly. Poor little soul, she was still much afraid, and even when promised the greatest thing in the world. The shepherd put his hand in the, his bosom and drew something forth and laid it in the palm of his hand. Then he held his hand out toward much afraid. Here is the seed of love, he said. She bent forward to look, then gave a startled little cry and drew back. There was indeed a seed lying in the palm of his hand, but it was shaped exactly like a long, sharply pointed thorn. Much afraid had often noticed that the shepherd's hands were scarred and wounded, but now she saw that the scar in the palm of the hand held out to her was the exact shape and size of the seed of love lying beside it. The seed looks very sharp, she said shrinkingly. Won't it hurt if you put it into my heart? He answered quietly, it is so, it's so sharp that it slips in very quickly. <clears throat> but, 
much afraid, I have already warned you that love and pain go together for a time at least. If you would know love, you must know pain too. <sighs> much afraid, looked at the thorn, shrank from it. Then she looked at the shepherd's face and repeated his words to herself. When the seed of love in your heart is ready to bloom, you will be loved in return, and a strange new courage <clears throat> entered into her. She suddenly stepped forward, barred her heart, bared her heart, and said, Please plant the seed here in my heart. His face lit up with a glad smile, and he said with a note of joy in his voice, Now you will be able to go with me to the high places and be a citizen of the kingdom of my father. Then he pressed the thorn into her heart. It was true, just as he had said, it did cause a piercing pain. But it slipped in quickly, and then suddenly a sweetness she had never felt or imagined before tingled through her. It was bittersweet, but the sweetness was the stronger. <clears throat> so, yeah, I experienced that. So Phyllis related this already. God, thank you. Um, so accurately. In John 9, I was processing some things and some comments, and, and uh, deciding where we were going to stand. And Phyllis, we were, we were both like immediately like, just like I have with the president. Um, that with this as well, um, going to, we're going to set our confession and our hope and our goal at supernatural um, healing and um, what the Lord would want to make her whole. So in chapter 9 of John, Afterward, as Jesus walked down the street, he noticed a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Teacher, whose sin caused this guy's blindness, his own or the sin of his parents? Now, when you have a moment like I just did since Monday, at that moment of impact, it is crazy once you're connected to something like this to feel you question yourself and you question what you what you've caused and um, you own it and nobody can really say oh it's you know it's just you just you just feel this the depth of it whether it's your faith whether it's your physical genes is whether it's like it just comes back and um, in a moment all of these feelings and thoughts rush over you 
and this common belief, and it's here, it's, it's here as well. Who, who brought this curse on them? Because blindness was looked on as a curse in this culture. So when they saw it, they're like, someone screwed up. Someone's to blame. Somebody's sin is associated with this thing. And they're like, hey, Jesus, you're here. <laughs> We're going to ask you the question, you know, like, who's what you tell us who's sin? Because we know somebody sinned. Somebody brought this on. It's back back to the story of Job. Job certainly did something to bring this curse on you. Like, you know, and, and the book continues on for 31 chapters of the good friends saying, now, nah, come on, Job, that, it, there had to be something you did. God is good, and he wouldn't do this to a good man, so what did you do, you know? And Job, of course, maintains his, I want to talk to God face to face. Yeah, get out of my face. It was a good response, actually. Then God talked to him face to face and goes, I have nothing to say. So that comes, and this question is so relevant. And then we try to counter this question with encouraging people. You're special. You're this. You're that. And it's funny, the things that we say trying to help, and it's all well-intentioned. But I want you to look at this passage and look at what Jesus says. His answer was, neither. It happened to him so that you could watch him experience God's miracle. So this is really has nothing to do with the people involved and in these things. It's really liberating to realize this is about what God wants to do, and he's good, and he wants to demonstrate some, his goodness in the midst of this. And it's not about whether you're bad, and it's not about whether you're good either. It's not about whether you're special. It's not about like, oh, you can handle this. You were picked. Like, you wouldn't believe at this moment how not cool that is to hear. And so, and maybe it's why I'm being so vulnerable because I want you to just hear like the process. And um, these things come and the end game, it's very simple. Like, it's so God will be glorified. And we do know how to handle it. We do know what the Lord wants. We stand. We love and we stand. We embrace and accept, but we, but we stand for, what, uh, for a higher purpose that the Lord has. And unapologetically, uh, we will stand and believe for this little one's uh, healing and wholeness to come. And so in the same way, I learned this through making a big decision about supporting our president, believing God called him and, and going through that process and all of the whatever. I made a decision early on. I'm standing. I don't care even how it turns out. I'm standing. I'll go to heaven standing. I'll, I'll go to the end saying, well, it's what I felt I was to believe, and I believed it. And in the same way, we come to these things, and I so many times when I've tried to believe, and we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, we have so many, we pray so many prayers out of anxiousness and out of fear and out of 
a lot of goofy things because we don't know better. But uh, there's, a, there's another place, and we're, we've come to this. We know we have a better place to stand in where we, we just simply acknowledge what we believe the Lord's going to do. We don't try to think. We don't try to figure. We don't try to even take credit for having faith. We truly just go, I agree with this, and I'm going to stand for this. I agree for something supernatural to happen. I believe the Lord because I want to see the Lord become famous. I want to see him be famous in my life and been in the life around us, lives around us, um, that he, he will be famous, that he will make himself famous, that he will show himself faithful. And I want to stand with him. And when you finally come to that resolve and you counted the cost, like, eh, I'll look stupid, I'll look this, I'll look that, like, I'll, I'll come to this. And it, it's, again, it's so liberating when you get everything off of you and get it onto him. It's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm bad. It's because he's God and he wants to demonstrate his power. I'm like, oh, well, that's easy. I can do that. I can walk that out. I can walk it out without carrying the burden of it. I can walk it out without feeling responsible to make anything happen. And, and back to this thing, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So in this passage in John 9, I hear his voice. I see his voice. It's it's. It's, 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 it's uh, made real in this passage. It's manifest in this passage. And, and that, it just, boom, it settles it. The disciples had, you know, any questions? Nope, nope, no questions. Got it. Nope. That's, that is a Jesus answer. Boom. <laughs> just kind of ends the conversation. Bam. It's, here's, here's what you're going to do. So, so that is going to be our... our uh, our mode, and um, I had through the through the week. I've, my comfort texts have been about having not having fear of not being troubled. And this passage in John that I was going to teach out of, and I still may sometime. But don't let your heart be troubled. And wow, I'm like this applies. This is it's like. What does a troubled heart look like? It's those heavy things you're carrying that you're worried and you're, man, you're confessing them and you're carrying this grie grieving feeling, foreboding feeling about things. And, and uh, into that, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then as an antidote, he says, be courageous. Take courage. That's, that is how you respond. Like, you can't just shut that off. But an action to be courageous means go forward when you're afraid to go forward. Or wait when you're afraid to wait. Or go up or go to the right. It's, it's about doing that thing that's probably the opposite of your fear or your worry. And doing that thing that you believe would be the courageous thing to say the courageous thing to do, the courageous, brave place to stand. That's the calling. That was the word to 
Joshua, it was the word in, in, at the end of Deuteronomy, be brave, be, take, take courage, take heart. And, and this, is, this is how the Lord, that's how he can get his, his gets things done. It, it takes us responding not out of fear, but responding in, in courage and responding to be brave, to follow and do what he say, says he's doing and just stand there regardless of what, what it looks like and not believe so amen father let's just uh, we just ask that you draw us to a place of believing for all things and uh, cast off this fear this worry this anxiety this anxiousness that comes at different in different avenues and ways in our life father most of all just thank you that you're always working and wanting to plant the seed of love in our hearts. It makes the journey worth it that when we get there, that seed will come into full bloom and we'll be able to love like you love. I oh, would just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.